Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of the day you're watching this. It's great to see you, church family, and any of you that are joining us on Facebook or over on YouTube. Thank you for taking time out of your day to worship God and to spend time listening to me share from the scripture. And I'm hoping that as you listen to me today that you'll be provoked and challenged and encouraged. And uh, those of you that are meeting together in someone else's home or in your own home and discussing the sermon, I hope it's a great blessing to you and a great encouragement. I'm going to continue today with the series that we've been doing called The Blessings. And we take that from the word beatitude in Matthew chapter 5. Beatitude is the Latin word for blessings. And so we're continuing today the blessings. And I want to talk about one of the blessings that's very confusing to a lot of people. And that is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So let's get right into it. If you got a Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 today. And so let's go ahead and read it. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. He here is Jesus. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You probably remember if you watched last week's sermon that I gave you kind of a background to the blessings. Uh, Basically the message was what are the blessings? And I, I laid a bit of a foundation so we can understand how to read them and how to approach them. Otherwise they can just turn into trite little nice sayings or they can be something that you put up on a wall on a plaque but they don't really mean much to you. And so today I really want to um, get back into the review, kind of cover what the blessings are and help you to understand them. And let's start out with the first point I made last week, and that is that the blessings are a paradox. Now, last week I defined that for you, and I'm going to define it again. A paradox is a statement or an idea that seems like a contradiction, but ends up being true. 
And I have some great examples that most of you will relate to because you use them all the time and probably don't even realize that they're paradoxes. One example is, if I know one thing, it's that I know nothing. Have you ever said that? If I know one thing, it's that I don't know anything. And that's actually a paradox because you, you seem to be contradicting yourself, but you're making a point. Um, here's another one. This is the beginning of the end. Think about it. It's the beginning of the end. That's a, that's a paradox, a seeming contradiction that's true and makes sense. Here's another one. Deep down, you're really shallow. What? Deep down, you're really shallow. Or here's a great one by George Bernard Shaw, the author. He said this, What a pity that youth must be wasted on the young. That's a paradox. What a pity that youth must be wasted on the young. Or Oscar Wilde, this is probably my favorite, he said this, I can resist anything but temptation. <laughs> Think about that. I can resist anything but temptation. That is a paradox. And all of these blessings are paradoxes. Think about it. Blessed are those who mourn? It doesn't make any sense unless you approach it from the perspective of Jesus and his kingdom. And that takes me to the second point from last week. The blessings are the result of a spirit-led kingdom life. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God's kingdom comes and invades your life. And then these blessings become a part of your life, your inner world, your character. We have to understand that when a person repents and they turn from, they change their thinking and they turn from their sinful life and their sinful way of approaching the world to God's kingdom way of approaching the world and they begin to follow Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of God indwells them and the Bible says regenerates them and that comes from the idea of regenesis, gives them a new beginning, a new creation and they change and the Spirit of God fills them, invades their life and they begin to live out the implications of what heaven's atmosphere is like. And so the, these blessings are the result of a Spirit-led kingdom life. The third thing I want to go over is that these blessings are for followers of Jesus. Those who repent, who change their thinking and their whole approach to the world and receive the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, into themselves, follow Jesus and experience the blessings as part of their inner world and character. So you'll begin to live out the implications of these. It's really important that we read the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount this way. It's kind of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus manifesto. And it's really important that we see it that way because otherwise they just become a bunch of rules that are even harder to keep than the Old Testament commandments. And that's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was saying, listen, my kingdom is at hand. I'm invading the earth. And when you join me and follow me, my spirit invades your world and you begin to live this way. These are the fruits that come out of your life, the kingdom of heaven way of living. So with that reviewed, now we get into this, this next blessing, and that is, blessed are those who mourn. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Wow, think about that. You know, one of the elements 
of grief and of mourning is anger. And I've really come to believe that much of the anger in our current time that we're experiencing right now in our nation is because we're in mourning. Many of us are in mourning and we don't even know it. We don't know how to respond to the sense of loss that we're experiencing inside. In this time, anger is a lot cooler, a lot sexier way of dealing with mourning and grief because we avoid mourning and grief at all costs. But anger is kind of in, and it's okay. Express your anger. Get mad. Get on Facebook. Get on Instagram. Get on Twitter. Express your anger. Make sure people know how you really feel about things. Take your stands for righteousness. And yet we don't realize that inside what we're really experiencing is a deep sense of sadness and grief. Some of us are mourning the loss of an America that we remember as children and youth. Some of us are are mourning the losses that COVID-19 has brought into our lives, losses that affect us financially or medically or affect our rights or the, um, the free expression of our rights as Americans. Some of us are mourning the ongoing injustice of racism within our culture or the ignorance that's connected to it. Or some of us are, um, we're going through a mourning and a grief over the issue of political division and hatred. And some of us are just grieving over all of these things, a combination of all of these things. We're looking around at our society and we're, we're in grief. What is going on in our country? What's going on in my family? What's going on in people that I love and know? And we don't even realize it, but we're grieving. And in all of these, most of us are not prepared. We're not prepared to allow the pain of mourning and grief to touch us. We're actually avoiding it and in denial. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. What in the world does that mean? Blessed are those who mourn. This word where we get the Latin word beatitude is a word which means, blessed that is, is a word that means our inner state of happiness, well-being, joy, that shalom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying there's a joy and there's a blessedness and an inner state of well-being and contentment in those who mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. Because they mourn in Christ. They mourn in God. And we'll get more into that. See, see, he's saying here that it's the sense that we get when our life is right with God and others. That blessedness. It's not because you won the lottery or you got a huge raise, but because you are well, happy, and joyful, inwardly joyful, because your life is right with God and aligned with your purpose for living and with others. And you know what I mean. I mean, all of us have been through those times in our life. I can think of times in my own life when I've been going through like a sense of loss and grief and I'm aware of things wrong with me or wrong in my relationships and I'm grieving over them. But as I walk through that grief, I turn to God and I'm calling out to him and I begin to experience a great sense of peace and joy and his presence comes and touches my life. And I, I'm so glad that I can grieve and I can mourn with him and I'm not on my own to try to figure it out in my own head and in my own thoughts. And then he says this, blessed are those who mourn. Wow. How can a person who is mourning 
be blessed, happy, and joyful, and have a sense of inner well-being. Mourning here speaks of that state of the heart and the emotions that grieves for a variety of reasons. These reasons would include things like this. When we mourn for our sins and the consequences they produce. (laughs) You ever really blown it? And first of all, you're sad because you know that it's affected your fellowship with God. But not only that, you begin to see the consequences of your actions and your relationships and in your life and your mourning and your grieving inwardly. And it's what the Lord is telling us here is that there are times in our life when we're mourning because of our own sins and the consequences they produce. Secondly, when we mourn for the specific acts of darkness and death in our world. You know, sometimes you look around and you see loss of life, destruction in our world. You see the pain going on around us in other nations or in our own country. And there's this grieving and this mourning and you're carrying around this heaviness. Sometimes you don't even realize what it is, but you're carrying a heaviness with you everywhere you go. That's the mourning that Jesus is talking about. A third idea behind the mourning here is when you mourn for the loss of a loved one your loved ones in your life. And that can mean both physically or when you see loved ones, the, the people that really mean a lot to you and they, they're making bad decisions, they're going down bad roads, or they're experiencing some, a really bad season in their life that's even not a fault of their own. Maybe they're passing through a tragedy or a loss or they're really struggling in their marriage. and You see these things and, and you mourn and you grieve for people. You grieve for loved ones because you've lost a loved one and you're continually reminded of it. It doesn't just go away. You don't move on. You don't just have closure and move on. That's not how grieving and mourning works. And so you carry that. And lastly, the general mourning we experience when we feel the sadness, the pain, and the suffering in our world. Sometimes we're experiencing mourning, and we can't even put a finger on the reason. It's just because we're carrying the weight of our own sin, the sin of the world, the pain in the world, the suffering of the world. We're just carrying it. And what God wants us to do is take that mourning and that grief to Him. This mourning we experience is the result of seeing and feeling the loss and the death in our world as a result of sin. We mourn as God mourns. Sometimes the mourning we experience is the Holy Spirit within us, grieving, heavy, groaning, moaning, literally deep within because of the pain happening in our world. And and we run from it. We start to experience it, and we're like, I don't want anything to do with that. And what we need to do is, is... Go to the Lord and say, Lord, are you trying to get me to enter into this with you so I can carry it to you in prayer, so I can bring the pain of the world up to you? Because many times God is looking for partners who will help to carry the grief and the pain and the sin and the death and the sorrow and the suffering of our world back up to him in prayer. So blessed are those who mourn. And when we do that, we receive comfort from God because we're touched by the sin and the death that infects his world. It says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Listen to the message. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. 
So blessed are you when you experience the loss of what's dear because then you gain the comfort of the one who is most dear and that is God himself. See, the blessing comes in the comfort we receive from God. This word comforted, it comes from the same root word as the title of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. It means to have someone come alongside you and comfort you, encourage you, uphold you, and help you. God is telling us that when we enter into his mourning for our world, our own sin, or the losses we experience, and the death that is the result of sin in our world, he will have his comfort come alongside us through the Holy Spirit. This comfort is unique to those who follow Jesus and live in his kingdom. The people of our world, and even nominal Christians, often don't experience this comfort because they don't turn to the Lord in the midst of it. They don't, they don't find him being the only one they can turn to. I want to finish my message today with a story, and I'm calling it Anger, Mourning, and Comfort, and it perfectly illustrates what I'm talking about. Carissa Smith shares this story. She says, my four-month-old daughter and I took a trip to the library. library. She babbled softly as I browsed through the books. As we walked, I heard an older man say gruffly, Tell that kid to shut up or I will. Angrily, I responded, I'm very sorry for whatever in your life caused you to be so disturbed by a happy baby, but I will not tell my baby to shut up and I will not let you do so either. I braced myself, she said, expecting an outburst from him. Instead, he looked down, took a deep breath, and said softly, I apologize. He looked at me with tears in his eyes, and we remained silent. Finally, he looked up at my daughter. She smiled at him and happily kicked her arms and legs. He wiped his eyes and said slowly, My son died when he was two months old. I moved to sit next to him, she said. He went on to explain that his son died from SIDS over 50 years ago. He described how his anger grew, leading to, leading to a failed marriage and then isolation. I asked him, asked him to tell me about his son. As he did so, he smiled back and forth with my daughter. Eventually, he asked me if he could hold her. As he held her, his shoulders relaxed, and he briefly laid his cheek on her head. He returned her to me with a heartfelt, thank you. I thanked him for sharing his story, and he quickly departed. This is a perfect picture of what I'm talking about. This man was grieving, this man was mourning, and it led to anger, and he didn't even know what to do with his anger because this child provoked that anger in him again. But when he was called on it, he had to acknowledge that really what it was was grief. He was working through his grief, and she took the time to enter into it with him, and in the end, he was comforted. And that's what God does to us. This is a time of national mourning in a lot of ways, over national sins and losses. It's been a dark time so far this year, as you know, and, and all the things around us cause us to experience national grief. And yet, what I want to encourage you to do is reach out to God and trust Him and believe Him that He will come to you and bring you comfort in a time of mourning. Amen.